What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. You may have heard claims that electric vehicles are far superior for the environment than traditional gas guzzlers or even diesel, right? And then you may have also heard counterclaims that, no, no, if you take the whole scope of impacts, everything from manufacturing the battery to generating the electricity, they aren't any better. In fact, maybe they're even worse. Well, I'm not going to pretend to have crunched the numbers myself, but I'll tell you what some of the experts have told Newsweek. In general, electric vehicles do win out over fossil fuel vehicles over the course of their entire lifespan and over the course of everything considered. But doing the calculation is not easy. One wrinkle is it kind of depends on where you're running the electric vehicle because if you're charging an electric vehicle in a place that's driven entirely by, let's say, solar and wind power, well, that's going to be energy that doesn't produce a lot of outcome for the environment in the negative sense. But if you're charging your car in a place where they're entirely dependent on, say, you know, coal, that's going to have a very different kind of output for the environment. So generally speaking, if you're dependent more on renewable energy where you live, then those cars are going to perform better compared to gas cars. And over time, as the entire economy seems to be moving towards renewable energy, generally EVs will continue to perform better with regards to emissions that are related to carbon, for example, than gas cars will. One study released last year from the Council on Clean Transportation showed that in the U.S., life cycle emissions for an electric vehicle is between 60 and 68 percent lower than a gasoline-based car. But there are some interesting exceptions. A 2016 study authored by Jeremy Mikulek, a professor with Carnegie Mellon, showed that in general, the Southwest, Texas, and Florida does better for carbon emissions when it comes to EVs. But in the Midwest, Great Plains, and the South, actually the gas cars do a little bit better, particularly in rural areas. But again, as we move away from dirtier energy, for example, coal in particular, the equation tends to favor EVs progressively. Now, that's mostly looking at it just from a carbon standpoint. When you start to talk about other emissions like nitrogen oxide, carbon monoxide, and particulate matter, all of which are harmful for people, EVs certainly score better. But again, you have to keep in mind, how do you mine the minerals that go into making the battery, the manufacturing of the battery itself, and of course, generating of the power? One other thing, according to Mikulik, is that For those of you who have heard allegations that maybe the manufacturer of the vehicle is one of the key polluting elements, he says that for both electric and gasoline, the majority of emissions come from using the vehicle, not from manufacturing. And now from the, this is either the coolest thing I have ever seen or the creepiest thing I have ever seen, maybe both file. In case you're not aware, high-end auto manufacturers are really working hard on developing assisted driving technology that will watch a driver's face and eyes with cameras built into the, for example, the dashboard or the display set to detect whether you're distracted in your driving. They look at where your eyes look. They look at where your mouth is. They look at, for example, how often you might yawn and will kind of alert you. Hey, pay attention, man. 
I mean, I don't know if that's the voice they use, but that's the theory anyway, is that if you are distracted or tired or looking at your phone, for example, these advanced driver assistance systems would be able to detect that and notify you. Subaru already has its eyesight system and Mercedes has the attention assist. And now you have a company called Magna International, which is a supplier of all different kinds of components and parts and software to car manufacturers. But it's got a new one called Clearview. And the advantage of the Clearview system is that it doesn't require an additional component to be designed into the car's dashboard or anywhere else because it works out of the rearview mirror. There's actually a camera embedded in the back part of the rearview mirror that sees everything in the cabin, including the driver, and provides all of this information without having to have an additional component somewhere else. So the theoretical applications here are fascinating. I mentioned cell phones. I mean, you can certainly imagine such a system would be able to figure out whether you're looking down, looking at the stereo, writing a note, doing your makeup, eating a donut. I mean, all kinds of possibilities here. And it could certainly be designed to take whatever information it has and identify whether it's you or your spouse or, let's say, an 18-year-old child for whom the parameters of the car might even theoretically be different. Or somebody who does not own the car is not an authorized user, and you might have an anti-theft device that would not drive for them. And again, in case you're thinking this is way off in the future technology, Genesis and Subaru already have facial recognition systems using the owner's face to either start the car or to bring up your favorites settings. And what about drunk driving? I'm glad you asked. Did you know, I'll tell you I did not, that in the big infrastructure bill that was just passed, There's actually a law requiring automakers to install anti-drunk driving technology in all new automobiles by 2026. That's right. Over the course of the next three and a half years, every car manufacturer has to come up with a way to figure out whether you're drunk or not and prevent you from driving, presumably by dilated eyes with a camera system like this, although others have talked about a alcohol detection system based on cabin filtration or something like that. I mean, I'm all for making a car that won't start because you're drunk in your eyes. I just want to make sure that it'll let me drive when I come back from the ophthalmologist and have had my pupils dilated. I mean, maybe it's just my personality, but I'm inclined to start thinking about things like, it's not me, but what about those Chicago-style cruisers, you know, who arms stretched out, seat back all the way back, you can barely even see their face over the dashboard. Not sure that I want to make the car can't function with that. Or spring breakers driving the A1A, cruising and probably not looking an awful lot down the road. Again, maybe it's not the ideal behavior, but do you want to make it so the car won't work when that happens? And I'm sure this is just a byproduct of me having been raised on science fiction my whole life, but there's still a big part of me that doesn't want the car watching me while I drive. I don't even like the car to lock its doors for me, let alone tell me that I'm being distracted. I know! If you're not going to help the problem, then don't tell me about it. And then you have additional concerns, like, for instance, would the information that is stored in the metadata related to the camera looking at your face while you're driving become evidence in a crash? I mean, maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing, but could your face be forced to testify against you in court? And then maybe this is a bit primitive, and I'm sure it doesn't apply to you these days, but was there ever a time when you ever did anything inside your own car that maybe you didn't want on camera? Of any kind? I mean, I suppose a motivated person could come up with some high-tech solution like, say, I don't know, a scarf (laughs) over the rearview mirror to thwart it if they need be. Oh, and one last thought on this, by the way. Apparently, just driver safety alone isn't enough of an incentive, so Magna is also working on pitching the camera in the rearview mirror as a 5-megapixel camera that you can use to make video calls safely or shoot selfies. And no, they're not even the first 
manufacturer to do this. Tesla and BMW have selfie features, and Honda even had an HRV selfie edition a few years ago. HRV selfie edition. Oh, if the apocalypse isn't now, it's soon. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And speaking of creepy new technology, have you seen the new U.S. Postal Service vans? Oh. (laughs) There's no other way to describe it. They are really ugly. No, really ugly. You need to go look it up online. I can't tell. Imagine, you know, in cars when the characters had the giant windshields with the big eyes on them. Imagine a van-ish like that with eyes that aren't eyes, just a giant forehead of a windshield that terminates in the smallest possible front end you can imagine. Every time I look at it, I come up with a new bad comparison. They kind of remind me of those little plastic helmets that you get at the baseball park. They serve ice cream in when you turn them upside down. They kind of look like this and not in a good way. If you took like an old Chrysler K car and replaced its entire top with, I don't know, the lawnmower shed from the backyard and then painted it all white, something like that, they're not cool looking. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not just being prejudiced because, you know, I'm familiar with the current slate of extremely ugly postal service vehicles. Maybe there's some truth in that. But I've looked at some of the alternatives and there were a lot cooler designs. But that's not really the issue. The issue is... Why, in picking the United States Postal Service's NGDV, the next generation delivery vehicle, why did they go with gasoline? There's actually been a lawsuit filed by 17 different attorneys general saying that they violated the National Environmental Policy Act by not doing the right kind of environmental impact statement and analysis and not giving it in the right time frame before they made the decision to go ahead and buy non-electric vehicles. Oh, and in case you're wondering about the fuel efficiency... The current crop of extremely ancient trucks are supposed to get somewhere between 16 and 18 miles to the gallon, 16 in the city, 18 on the highway. The new ones get, are you ready for this? 14. And 14 drops to under 9, 8.6, when you turn the air on. I hear it goes negative when they drive uphill or into the wind. God forbid both. And particularly these days when we're seeing skyrocketing gas prices approaching $5 a gallon across the entire country, The choice to bet the entire future cost analysis of the United States Postal Service on gasoline maybe doesn't look like the best choice in retrospect. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. Please subscribe to the digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already, or at least give it a thought. You know, maybe. Hit the five-star review before you go. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek. Newsweek.